Alrighty, alrighty, welcome into this episode of Farscast. Farzee and Vesugian here with you. Hope you guys are enjoying the spring. A lot of you guys probably just had spring break. I am back in the U.S. Uh, just spent the last week in Mexico celebrating my brother's birthday. That was a lot of fun. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of food, a lot of drinks, a lot of good stuff. A lot of good times. A lot of good times for sure, but now... Uh, definitely glad to be uh, back in uh, in my home and in, in the comfort of my own bed. I mean, listen, vacations are fun and all, but I'm very picky when it comes to beds. I, I mean, I just am. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm really happy to be uh, sleeping in my own bed for sure. Uh, holy shit. So right before, I, I'm this will give you an idea when I'm recording the podcast. I know sometimes uh, people are curious as to when exactly these are recorded because when they get uploaded and when they finally become available, the, the process is, is it, it, there's a bit of a process there. It can take a little bit of time, not too much time. Uh, but this gives you an idea when I'm recording the podcast. Right before I was about to start recording, Will Smith just slapped the shit out of Chris Rock uh, during the Oscars. And um, I guess Chris Rock made a G.I. Jane joke, said that he's looking forward to seeing her, Will Smith's wife, in G.I. Jane 2. I'll be honest, I've never seen that movie. I actually had to look it up a little bit. I'll, I'll look into it a little later because I don't understand the reference or what the joke was or why that was so offensive. But Will Smith took offense to that. He got up on stage and smacked him in the face. And then uh, the audio cut out. Um, here's what happened when the audio... There's actually an uncensored version. I just tweeted the link to it. Uh, and I also shared it on my Facebook page in Japan. Here, this was uh, the what you did not hear in the United States, but other places like Japan did. Here it is. Okay, now you heard that part on uh, on the air on TV, but uh, boy, whew. I thought it was a joke at first when I saw him slap him. It looked kind of like a WWE move, honestly. It did not look real. No, uh, that was uh, that was not staged at all. So, uh, well, I'm sure that'll be talked about a lot this week. Uh, but I'm not going to go any further to that. Uh, I just had to bring that up. I mean, holy shit. That, that's like, there are a lot of people who are like, oh, I don't like reality TV. But every single goddamn person is going to be talking about this. These are the same people like when an athlete is fighting with another athlete or another member of the media or when two members of the media are fighting each other on Twitter. Everyone's tuned into that. And these are the same people who say they don't like reality TV. I mean, come on now. Of course you do. You love this shit. Everyone does. Uh, yeah, people are going to be talking about this uh, for quite some time. Uh, I have some thoughts on today's podcast. I wanted to get this out. Uh, it's been kind of a really busy weekend. That's usually how it is when uh, you come back from a trip. Just nonstop, one thing after another. 
Uh, plus, I'm trying to get my DirecTV fixed. Uh, that's a completely d- d- different story. It's always something. It's always my uh, my treadmill or my uh, my TV or, or, or something. It's just it's just one thing after another. It never comes to an end. Uh, Devontae Adams traded to the Las Vegas Raiders. That really shook up free agency, especially in the AFC West, because that is eventually what forced Tyreek Hill out of Kansas City and to Miami. I will explain why that happened, because a lot of Chiefs fans really unaware of how this happened. And by the way, absolutely nobody saw that coming. The Tyreek Hill trade. Nobody saw that coming whatsoever. Um, there was not even the slightest bit of rumor that the Chiefs would trade Tyreek Hill. Not one bit. Uh, George Masvidal and Colby Covington, two UFC fighters, uh, used to be best friends. They, uh, they trained together. They cornered each other, all this good stuff. Uh, they just had a fight a couple of weeks ago and Covington just completely demolished him. However, Masvidal found Colby at a restaurant and assaulted him. I have a lot of thoughts on this. A couple of you guys actually were asking me about this on uh, on my Facebook when I was doing a Q&A in my, um, in my story for Facebook and Instagram. Um, I actually did not answer those questions because I do have a lot to say on this. And we got to have a discussion about this uh, because this could get worse in the future. And KU on their way to the Final Four. The Final Four is set. Uh, St. Peter's, wow, what a run for them. Uh, a run no one's going to forget. But uh, nonetheless, it did come to an end. And KU on their way to the Final Four. I got a little bit of thoughts on that because I have been critical of Bill Self for his tournament uh, performances in the past. And obviously, this is a, a successful one for him, making it to the Final Four. All right, uh, let's get to the Devontae Adams part first because that really is uh, probably the biggest acquisition in free agency. So Devontae Adams, as you guys saw, went to the Las Vegas Raiders. And by the way, I, I do want to comment on this whole Deshaun Watson thing in a moment as well. Um, I, I forgot about that. I, I do have some thoughts on that. Uh, that was whew, that press conference did not do the uh, Browns any favor. Not one bit. But as far as Devontae Adams goes, uh, going to the Raiders, that was probably the best thing that could have happened to the Raiders. Not just for themselves, but that made a negative impact on the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'll get to the Tyreek Hill part a little later, but obviously Devontae Adams scored big on that contract going to Vegas. Uh, He and Derek Carr obviously have a connection from the past in college, which certainly helps. I'm not going to sit here and say it's everything, but it certainly is uh, something good to have uh, uh, in your pocket, essentially, right? I mean, any kind of familiarity is certainly uh, something. uh, The thing about, like, college teammates, there's always just going to be that bond that never goes away. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm sure there's a strong bond, you know, with, with pro athletes as well. But there's just something about college when you're in your late teens, early 20s. You're still trying to make that transition uh, from becoming an uh, to becoming an adult, I should say. And during that time, you're obviously going through so much learning about yourself in the process. And a lot of these athletes, these college athletes, they really don't have a lot of people to go to other than their brothers and sisters, uh, depending what sport you play in the locker room. So there's always going to be that kind of connection that will always be with you and your college teammates for the rest of your lives. So uh, 
I'm really curious to see how that Devontae Adams, Derek Carr thing goes. Listen, man, Derek Carr, it's just, he he has a good year one year, the next year not, and it's just up and down. And the Raiders have done so much to try to give him all the weapons. And people keep, a lot of people keep defending him, saying he's not the problem in, in, with the Raiders. Look, this is your last chance right here. I, I mean, how many more opportunities do you need to get? And I think part of Derek Carr's deal here is, and he won't say it publicly, but he he was drafted three years before Patrick Mahomes. I, I mean, Mahomes didn't even start for a season. He started a game in Week 17, but I mean, that was a, a late game. With a, with a lot of backups involved, let's be honest, especially from Kansas City side. Denver had some starters in that game. But Mahomes has been in the league for a shorter amount of time and already has far more success than Derek Carr. He has a Super Bowl. He has another Super Bowl, Super Bowl appearance, four AFC Championship appearances. Derek Carr, on the other hand, just played in his first playoff game recently. Should have been twice, but he got injured, obviously, in 2016. I mean, Derek Carr is 0-1 in the postseason. Patrick Mahomes has been to the AFC Championship four times in the Super Bowl twice and has won one of those two. So at this point, it's like you're being given everything. And Devontae Adams, arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL uh, last season. It's not a Cooper Cup. And I think at this point, if you're Vegas, you're telling Derek Carr, hey, man, we're giving you... We're giving you a lot of ammunition here to go out and succeed and and kick ass in 2022. You have to at this point. There's no no excuses here. I mean, you just got to go out and get the job done. So I think that's a big move for the Raiders because it did lead to the whole Tyreek Hill situation. Now, even though Adams did score on that contract, that did not mean that people saw the whole Tyreek Hill thing coming because when Devontae Adams got traded in the AFC West, there have been a lot of moves. Russell Wilson to the Broncos. The Chargers have gotten some big name defensive players, Khalil Mack, JC Jackson, and the Chiefs also got Juju Smith-Schuster, which was huge. And a lot of media outlets were uh, posting these collages of all four AFC West teams and Showing all the, uh, they had the Photoshop picture of Juju Smith-Schuster in his Chiefs jersey and saying, hey, you're all the superstars in the AFC West. And Tyreek Hill was part of that little uh, collage that a lot of these media outlets created. Nobody suspected any kind of trade coming. And I don't remember what day it was Tyreek Hill got traded. I think it was last Tuesday he got traded. No, last Wednesday he got traded. Last Wednesday. Last Wednesday, Tyreek Hill got traded. That Wednesday morning, nobody had an inkling that this was going to happen. There was not even a bit of talk that Tyreek Hill was on his way out of Kansas City. Not one bit. So what went wrong between the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill? And by the way, I got to give credit to Charles Goldman, uh, who's been on this podcast multiple times, also from the uh, Chiefs Wire, the USA Today's Chiefs Wire. He's the editor over there. He tweeted this, I want to say right before free agency started, because about a week or two before free agency got underway, there were the rumors that the Kansas City Chiefs and Tyreek Hill have begun contract negotiations for an extension for Tyreek Hill. 
and they reportedly agree. there were some rumors out there. Uh, you know, obviously we saw what happened a, a month or two ago with the Chiefs Kingdom editorial board and the false rumors that were brought up and how quickly they uh, acted to take down that post because it was basically fact checked on the spot. And now, I mean, you had fans out there claiming they had insiders and they knew what the numbers were, the figures. So there was no official confirmation of what was verbally agreed upon or what they thought was going to be agreed upon for the figures. But there were some rumors out there. And I think a lot of people were asking, what is taking so long? Why is why are we not seeing uh, any uh, reports of a contract extension? Well, uh Sure enough, oh, by the way, Bleacher Report, a sports website, just sent out a notification about this whole Will Smith uh, crap with Chris Rock. That's how big this is, man. <laughs> um, oh, and there's a really nice picture that just came out. Of, I don't know. I mean, this was literally from the ceiling or some sort. Uh, yeah, this is definitely going to be uh, meme worthy uh, for, uh, for quite some time. Uh, but t- the whole Tyree kill thing, man. So Devonte Adams gets his big deal. Oh, uh, here's what Charles Goldman tweeted. He said that Tyree kills agent drew Rosenhaus is no dummy. And absolutely right. I mean, he's obviously a super agent. They weren't just going to sign something before free agency. We, everyone knows what kind of a valuable receiver Tyreek Hill is. I, I don't need to go over it here. I'm not breaking any news by telling you what he's capable of doing. I'm not, I'm not breaking any news by telling you he's a dynamic receiver, maybe the most dynamic receiver in NFL history. But the thing to keep in mind is Rosenhaus knew that some wide receiver out there didn't know who it was going to be, but he knew there was a wide receiver out there who was going to get a big deal. That ended up being Devontae Adams. Unfortunately, this hurt Kansas City in the worst way possible because it involved a division rival that gained from this. So when Devontae Adams got his massive deal, Drew Rosenhaus told the Chiefs, hey, you want my client long-term? You got to give us more money than what the Raiders just gave to Devontae Adams. And the Chiefs tried their absolute best. They restructured Joe Tooney's contract. They restructured Frank Clark's contract for a second time. They even redid uh, Patrick Mahomes' contract uh, last year or the year before. I can't remember when it was. So, uh, I mean, they have tried to do a lot of things. They weren't in the uh, greatest spot financially uh, with the salary cap. But Tyreek Hill, the, the rumor was from Ian Rappaport that the Chiefs were set to make Tyreek Hill one of, not the highest, one of, the highest paid receivers in the NFL. That was not enough for Tyreek Hill. And as a result, they could not agree to terms. The Chiefs gave Tyreek Hill permission to seek trades. The rumors were Miami and the Jets. And I guess Tyreek Hill was already full on set on Miami. And I guess the way this works is, you know, you're not going to, if Tyreek Hill does not want to go to the Jets, well, the Jets are not going to give up those high draft picks that they have. They have two picks in the top 10, a fourth and a tenth, uh, and also two seconds as well. But when word got out that Tyreek Hill was more set on Miami than the Jets, well, the Jets are out of it. They're not going to give up so many top picks for a rental, 
for a one-year rental player. I mean, you just want to do that. So while the Chiefs and the Dolphins are figuring out what the trade is going to be, Tyreek Hill and his agent Rosenhaus were already negotiating an extension with the Dolphins. And the trade happened. We knew about that. The Chiefs got five draft picks. I'll get into that a little later. And Tyreek Hill went over to the Dolphins and eventually got his contract, making him, making him the highest paid receiver in the NFL. You know, some people were complaining about this when I did explain the the whole dynamics of this and how this works, basically the machinations of how this all works and why this happened. And I think once I explained that, a lot of people had an understanding and, and understood. This, this wasn't like, I mean, Brent Veach did not just wake up on a Wednesday morning and said, fuck it, let's just trade the most dynamic receiver in NFL history, right? Woohoo, yeah, let's just do that. No, I mean, there was a reason why it came down to that. Uh, it, again, like I said, nobody suspected this. As soon as the Chiefs lost to the Bengals... When talking about the following season, everyone said, hey, you got Mahomes, you got Tyree Kill, you got Travis Kelsey, you got a great offensive line. Hey, they'll be back in, in no time next year. They, they'll, they'll be just fine. So obviously nobody saw this coming. But because of what happened with the whole Devontae Adams situation, Tyree Kill wanted out because the Chiefs were just unable to give him what he wanted in return. And listen, when you're the Kansas City Chiefs, this is a good problem to have. Ten years ago, the Chiefs did not have these kinds of issues. The Chiefs were begging to have players like Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Mahomes and Chris Jones and uh, you know, struggling to keep players, great players, because they don't have enough money with the salary cap. So, at the end of the day, um, this is what good teams go through. Listen, here's how things are going to have to work for the Kansas City Chiefs. And by the way, they got two first round. Uh, they now have two first round picks. They have two second round picks and two third round picks. And if we know anything about the Kansas City Chiefs historically, they have found a way to find great players outside of the first round. Uh, you look at players like Jamal Charles, Dante Hall, Jared Allen, and more specifically under this regime, and, and Brett Veach has been a part of this, uh, he wasn't the general manager at the time, but they got players like Kareem Hunt in the third round. I forgot to mention Justin Houston. That was with the previous regime, also a third-round pick. Uh, they found Kareem Hunt in the third round. I know, I know it didn't end well, but still found him outside of the first round. They found Travis Kelsey in the third round, and it took him a while to get going because he missed his entire rookie season with a knee injury um, and had to learn some things in the, his first couple of years. But he got going even before Mahomes got there. Now, more recently, with Brett Veach as the man in charge, as a general manager, look at last year's draft. The Chiefs did not have a first-round pick. They traded that for Orlando Brown. Not only that, they found two top-notch offensive linemen. They got Creed Humphrey in the second round, and they got Trey Smith, I believe, in the sixth round of the draft. And they also found a really good linebacker in Nick Bolton in the second round last year. So the Chiefs found three studs outside of the first round. And by the way, 2016, uh, John Dorsey was a GM. Brett Veach was not the GM yet, but he still had a hand in all of this. The Chiefs traded out of the first round, if you guys remember that. And they came away with Chris Jones in the second round and Tyreek Hill in the fifth round. By the way, real quick funny story. I was actually working for the Kansas City Star at the time. Uh, I was working at their sports desk, sports desk, excuse me. So I was actually present that night because newspapers always have. Okay, so for, for instance, the the final four, 
with KU. Obviously, KU just clinched. So in the Kansas City Star, Monday morning, you're probably going to see a huge spread about KU going to the Final Four and a few different stories about what this means to Bill Self, to a couple of the players, so on and so forth. You get the idea. They're going to be there. They're going to be a lot of stories about this in the Star's uh, front page and in their sports section, multiple pages in the sports section. With the draft, you always just try to be ready for anything. Now, unfortunately, the star was not ready for everything in this case because they there was not any inkling that the Chiefs were going to trade out of the first round. So the Chief, I think the Chiefs were picking 28th or 29th. So as the night rolled on, they're waiting for the draft pick because they, they were going to do a big story on him, basically, basically a scouting report in the Stars sports section. And as soon as the trade happened, as soon as the Chiefs traded out of that, boy, I'll tell you right now, the editors were not happy one bit. The first person who picked up on this on Twitter, uh, one of the editors shouted, worst case scenario, and everyone's like, what, what, what? They traded out. And I'll tell you right now, from an editor's standpoint, I I would not want to be in their shoes because you have to come up on the fly like that. Like, what the fuck are we going to do? Not an easy thing to do. So anyway, I mean, that's just a little uh, nice behind the scenes in the uh, journalism world that I was once a part of. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, uh, the Chiefs do have um, all these uh, draft picks and they have found great players outside of the first round uh, historically and also Recently, un- with Brett Veach being a part of this team, Andy Reid, Brett Veach, part of this uh, franchise. So, look, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if the Chiefs are going to keep those two first-round picks, which are back-to-back, by the way. The Chiefs have a lot of flexibility in this draft. Jo- uh, Brett Veach just hit a home run with last year's draft. The best draft class. Uh, I-, I mean, we only have one year to judge from it, but from that one year that we can judge, the Chiefs do have the best draft class, no question about it. So what what is Kansas City going to do? Because here's how they have to operate moving forward. Here's a reality. You can't keep players like Tyreek Hill and Tyron Matthew forever. I think this this offseason was a big lesson that, that we learned. And by the way, a few people asked, why? Because Brett Veach in the past couple of years has found a way to restructure deals and make things work. Yes, you are absolutely right. Brett Veach has done that. By the way, Brett Veach did try to do that with Tyreek Hill last offseason. Tyreek Hill uh, told one of the local news stations about that, and he admitted that he declined. So you're not going to be able to do it with everyone. Listen, Tyreek Hill, the the amount of things he does for this franchise, especially pre-snap motions, I mean, the guy runs probably 150 yards of pre-snap. If there was any way to track... How many yards players run around pre-snap? Tyreek Hill would lead the league in that category by a wide margin. Pat McAfee did a great job of talking about this on his radio show. And when you're telling someone to move around all that, I mean, it's almost like they ran a, a route, a play at full speed. And Tyreek Hill, you see how quick he's moving around. I mean, it's, I'd be gas out, okay? So, so would all of us. So... Here's how the Chiefs have to operate moving forward. Obviously, you are going to keep Patrick Mahomes. He just signed that massive extension uh, a couple of years ago. So you know he's going to be with you for a long time. You just rebuilt 
that offensive line. Keep one thing in mind. Yes, as amazing as Tyreek Hill is and you'd love to have him for life, he's not the only player on your team. You have to account for everybody else. In about three to four years, the Chiefs have to think about Creed Humphrey. They have to think about Trey Smith. They have to think about Nick Bolton. Assuming those three guys keep going the way uh, they are, they're going to be due for big deals in about three to four years. And look at Kansas City's draft picks right now. You have two firsts, two seconds, and two thirds. And as I just mentioned, the Chiefs in recent memory have found some great players in the second, third rounds. Chris Jones, uh, Nick Bolton, Creed Humphrey. In the third rounds, they found guys like Travis Kelsey, Kareem Hunt. So this this front office is capable of finding some uh, some really good, talented players outside of the first round. So I just mentioned three guys from last year's draft class who are gonna who are gonna be due for a big deal in a couple of years. You have six picks in the first three rounds. Let's just say the Chiefs score on half of them. Let's say they find Pro Bowl caliber players with three of those six picks. Well, guess what? In three to four years, you gotta worry about extending those guys as well. Here's the reality, folks. You cannot keep Everybody, let's just say, you know, uh, Humphrey, Bolton, Smith, and then player one, player two, and player three from this draft class that the Chiefs found. The reality of keeping and extending all six of those players to big deals are incredibly slim. Damn near impossible. This is not baseball where there's an open payroll. Spend as much as you want. And I don't follow baseball, so I don't know if that's changed over the years or not. I, I know it was like that at one point. But the way the Chiefs have to operate moving forward, they need to, first of all, have a strong offensive line in place. Because as long as you have that, I think Mahomes will be just fine. He can throw to anybody. I have always said that there is going to come a point in time where Mahomes is going to have to be without Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And I always said, I prefer that not be anytime soon. Well... You lost one of those guys, Travis Kelsey. He's going to be, I think, 36 by the time his contract is up. So you're only going to have him for about, what, three more years? Three or four more years, realistically, uh, playing at a high level. So there's going to come a time where Mahomes is going to have to have a new tight end in a couple of years. As long as you have that good offensive line, that stout offensive line, Mahomes will be just fine. So here's what you got to do as the Kansas City Chiefs from here on out. Draft well. Draft damn well. And if you need to trade players to get a lot of draft picks like this to make sure you can get as many good players, good young players as you can, that's what you got to do. Belichick scored high on this for 18 years. He had Tom Brady and he had a great offensive line and he and his Department, his scouting department did a great job of bringing in the right guys so they could succeed for a long period of time. They won six Super Bowls and they went to three more. And right now, even though they got their ass kicked in the playoffs, the the future is bright in New England because after last year's debacle, well, this past season with, uh, with Mac Jones got off to a really, really rough start, but they found a way and also a poor ending. But... They found a way to make it to the playoffs when nobody saw it coming. At one point, Belichick was tabbed as the coach of the year. Now, a couple coaches got ahead of him in that category, but you get the idea. 
I mean, if that's year one with Mac Jones, I think the Patriots are going to be just fine for a while as well. A lot of people are down on Mac Jones. I'm not, man. I I think the guy's got a bright future in New England. He's not going to have six Super Bowls. I mean, that is just incredibly difficult to do, as we've seen. But you're going to, I mean, you're going to see a lot of success there. Because what Belichick did, I mean, there were a lot of great players in New England. They didn't have Gronk for all six Super Bowls. They didn't have Tim Brown for all six Super Bowls. They didn't have Teddy Bruschi and Mike Vrabel, Vince Wilfork, Ty Law, all these great players for all six Super Bowls. No, the only guy was Tom Brady. The only player was Tom Brady. And the reason they were able to go to so many Super Bowls is because Belichick found a way to draft well for a very long time and occasionally would come away with some some notable free agency acquisitions, such as Randy Moss. So that is how the Chiefs are going to have to operate. You're all, you already paid Mahomes, so you're good for a long time there. Just make sure there is always a good offensive line in place every single year, and then you draft well at the other spots. That's what the Chiefs. So the Chiefs right now, I mean, listen, they've got an open hole at cornerback, multiple holes at cornerback. Uh, though there are some rumors of who they could go after. Uh, there's a pro bowler from the uh, Giants, Bradbury. And also uh, the former defensive player of the year, Stephon Gilmore. Defensive line, it's not the most consistent. I mean, Chris Jones is good. Statistically, it was not great. Uh, Frank Clark, I mean, you just don't know with him which Frank Clark you're going to get. Uh, offensive line, you got a couple spots you've got to address. Uh, I mean, you get the idea. The Chiefs have some holes right now. So they got to use this draft class to address those holes. And they got a lot of picks, so they can do it. Then next year. Well, when, come draft time next year, the Chiefs are going to have some picks because they got a couple uh, for the Ty- from the Tyree Hill trade for next year as well. So they can use those draft picks to fill whatever hole they need that they discover during the 2022 season. That's how the Kansas City Chiefs are going to have to operate moving forward. Mahomes, you got them locked up. Keep the offensive line intact. And you got to draft well at the other positions and find some solid free agent acquisitions here and there. You can't keep everybody, folks. Uh, it'd be nice, but uh, maybe in an alternative universe or some sort of utopia, that'd be great. But I uh, can't necessarily do that here. Uh, but hey, uh, it is what it is. Tyree Kill's happy. The Chiefs, uh, I think, are going to be in in good shape. They've got a lot of great draft picks. They got MVS uh, from free agency who is capable of doing some Tyree Kill type of things. He's pretty fast. Uh, Josh Gordon, we'll see how much the Chiefs trust him. McCole Hardman, this is his time to step up. So we'll see how that all uh, pans out uh, in the upcoming season for the Chiefs. Okay, the, the, the Deshaun Watson thing. By the way, speaking of the Mahomes deal, I mentioned I alluded to a couple times. Oh, boy. Well, everyone said Mahomes is overpaid. If you think Mahomes is overpaid, what does that say about Aaron Rodgers, who only has one Super Bowl ring? What does that say about the Deshaun Watson contract, who has not played football for more than a year? The last time we saw Deshaun Watson on the field, they blew a 24-0 lead to the Chiefs. This guy hasn't played for for more than a year, still has a legal investigation going on, though the Browns feel confident in uh, the entire process. But he just got a big deal. So if Mahomes is overpaid, what does that say about these other two quarterbacks? And it's not going to be just them. You're going to see more of uh, more of these in the future. Someone else is going to have a, a bigger deal than Watson soon. Watson's got more guaranteed money than any player in the history of the NFL. And the guy hasn't played football in more than a year. 
Now, uh, I do want to address one thing, and I talked about this on social media. And I think the excuses and the defense for Deshaun Watson is just silly. So it was, I believe, the head coach and the general manager and Deshaun Watson. The owner of the Browns was not part of the press conference, which is impossible to believe. 99% of the questions had to do with the investigation to which... They could not dive into a lot of these things. And by the way, I thought the media asked great questions. Somebody in the media asked, why does Deshaun Watson have 40 massage therapists? Okay. Deshaun Watson has uh, been in the NFL for five years, but we're only going to count four of them because he did not play last year. And the allegations came before the 2021 season. So in, in his first four years, Deshaun Watson has 40 massage therapists that we know of. Um, and I mean, that's 10 a year. These are not with the team either. These are outside of the team. Folks, I'm telling you right now, there is nothing normal. There, there's a, uh, I can't remember his name. I, I, I mentioned it on social media. I don't have it in front of me, but the former Packers executive said there is nothing normal, even called it unusual for someone to have 40 massage therapists and by the way, doing it in the span of four seasons. I really would love to know how many massage therapists has Tom Brady had. By the way, somebody showed me that uh, James Harrison, the former massive linebacker for the Steelers, he apparently had way more than that. Sure, I believe that. I mean, look at the guy's workouts that he posts on social media. By the way, how many of them were all, were they all women? That part, I don't know the answer. I'm asking. And by the way, how many of them accused Harrison of sexual harassment? None of them. None of them. Uh, So there's one player that someone found. A guy who's retired, by the way. Uh, This is someone who's only played four seasons and has had 40 therapists. There's nothing normal about this. And if I'm not mistaken, they're all women. Uh, you're going to tell me you have 40 massage therapists and all of them are women. I mean, come on. Uh, this doesn't add up here. I've seen a couple people defend him all. He's a pro athlete. He gets hit a lot. He, he's taking a lot of sacks in Houston. So a lot of, a lot of people are taking big hits in the NFL. Uh, that doesn't mean you get 40, 40 therapists. By the way, let, let's let's explain something here. I'm going to use Patrick Mahomes as an example, okay? We all know Patrick Mahomes is from Texas. Let's just say, and I don't know what Mahomes does with his life in the offseason, but let's just assume for a moment. Obviously, he lives in Kansas City. In the offseason, he probably spends a good amount of time during the spring when OTAs are not taking place up until, what, April? Um... So in February and March and sometime during the summer, I'm, I'm going to guess Patrick Mahomes spends a good amount of time in his home state of Texas. So outside of the team, I'd be willing to bet Mahomes maybe has two or three therapists in case one's not available or, or one of them's on vacation, not available. Well, they can contact the other. Okay. So let's just say three. Let's just put the maximum number out there. Let's just say three. 
Then Mahomes goes home for the summer or for the spring, whenever, to Texas to, and obviously, you know, unless he's flying out those therapists that we were alluding to, maybe he finds someone local in Texas. Let's just say three also, three more. I don't, and listen, when Mahomes is on the road, I don't know, maybe he has a massage therapist he visits when he's on vacation in Vegas or Florida or Hawaii, wherever he is. Just someone to see for the week because he's on vacation and wants to keep his body in, in good shape. That, that, that's understandable. You're a pro athlete. Uh, so we're at, what, seven therapists? And he's been in the league the same amount of time as, as, as uh, Watson. Listen, I can totally understand if someone has multiple therapists in the city they play in and also their hometown, wherever they live, or maybe some of these guys have multiple homes, one for where they play and one for their where they're from originally, and that I completely understand. 40 in four seasons, there is nothing normal about that. There's nothing logical that you can look at this and say, wow, 10 different therapists per year on average. Yeah, see, it sounds completely normal. Now, Watson could not answer that question as to why he has 40 therapists. And he mentioned that uh, that uh, there's an investigation going on. That's why he can't explain it. That's interesting. Now, another reporter, and props to whoever this was, brought up that subject again and asked if you know there was going to be any consideration about changing uh, uh, how he moves on. And also if he could explain the number again. Now Watson did give a bit of an answer this time. And he wanted to clarify. He said, he said, uh, this isn't 40 at the same time. It's 40 overtime. Yeah. No fucking shit. We know that. Like we, we all assume 40 people were giving you a massage at once. Like who the fuck do you think we are? We're not stupid. We, we can see through the lines here. Okay. Um, 40 overtime is still pretty bad. <laughs> like that is, I remember his, uh, attorney or agent or whoever it was, they mentioned the 18, uh, uh, civil lawsuits, but then he brought up the 22 others who didn't have any complaints. And I understand what he was trying to do. He wanted to say, Hey, 22 is a bigger number than 18. So 22, Hey, uh, they never had any issues with them. But at the end of the day, you, you do the math and you think, wait, 40 therapists, this is not good. So I think that ended up hurting him more than helping his case here. Listen, I don't know what happened, okay? Uh, none of us do. But 40 thera- like that's not fucking normal. I don't care what athlete you are. I don't care if you go through the most physically grueling workouts. 40 in four years is pretty damn it. Even Robert Kraft did not have 40. And we know he had an alleged incident. And that guy has money. Okay. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, something just doesn't add up. I'm not saying he did it. I'm not saying he didn't do it. But you got to explain the whole 40 therapist thing. That's not normal at all. I do want to talk about this whole... Uh, George Masvidal and Colby Covington situation. Okay. Uh, Let me just give the backstory on this because this is very important as to how we got to the point of Masvidal attacking Covington at a steak restaurant. A steak restaurant of all places, right? I mean, 
There was some beef there, that's for sure. Uh, Colby Covington was hanging out with the Nelk boys at this restaurant. They actually recorded a podcast. Uh, they recorded an episode of the Full Send podcast that same day. It got released on Sunday, the 27th. So they did not, uh, and they actually issued a little um, disclaimer before the uh, podcast explaining, hey, yeah, Colby got attacked, but we recorded all of this before that incident. Uh, by the way, for those that don't remember the Full Send podcast and the Nelk Boys, these are the same guys that just did a podcast with Donald Trump, and that got a lot of attention, and even more attention because it got removed on YouTube. So, uh, I, I went over that last podcast. Not going to go over it again. Uh, Kyle, who is, I guess he's like the main guy. He's he's the uh, he's the Red Ranger, I guess, for this uh, for the Nelk Boys. Uh, it, during that disclaimer, I was alluding to he mentioned one of his guys, Bob Menry. He's part of the Full Send crew. I don't know exactly what his, um, or the Nelk Boys crew. I don't, I don't know much about these guys, i got to be honest. Uh, but I guess Bob Menry, he is being accused of setting Colby Covington up. And according to Kyle, Bob Menry was texting Masvidal the entire time. And I guess he was telling Masvidal where Colby was. So Masvidal showed up, uh, according to police reports, in a hoodie and a mask. And basically was able to hide his his identity. And when he got up to Colby, he basically uh, fired away with some shots. And Colby just had no idea what happened. Colby's Rolex watch was reportedly damaged. And he wants $15,000 in damages for the scratches on a watch that is valued at $90,000. Rich people fighting rich people. Oh, boy. Uh, Colby also uh, apparently uh, suffered a broken tooth. Lovely. Uh, Colby has been taunting Masvidal. So these guys just fought a couple of weeks uh, prior. Ma uh, Colby just destroyed him. He demolished him. Uh, Colby has been taunting Masvidal on Instagram every single day, tagging him and uh, basically just making fun of him every single day. Uh, for those who don't know the backstory, the two used to train together. They were best friends, basically. They cornered each other. They were in the same gym. They did everything together. Um... They, I mean, the best of friends. They had a big falling out. Several different things that led out that led up to the falling out, and they wanted to fight. Leading up to the fight, Colby constantly was bringing up Masvidal's family, and more specifically his kids, saying Masvidal is a deadbeat dad. Not my words, his words. I don't know anything about that. None of us do, in fact. Uh, Colby, uh, as I mentioned, dominated Masvidal, Masvidal, and it wasn't even close. Uh, there's no guesswork here. Listen. Masvidal, he did this to get back at Colby for the comment about his kids. I doubt Masvidal did this as an act of re revenge because of how terrible he was in the fight. Which was weird, by the way. When, when the fight was over, immediately security stepped in. Because it did go the distance. It did go all five rounds. And while security is holding back Masvidal, Masvidal is putting his hands out, basically doing the come here uh, gesture it's like, dude, you just had 25 minutes to try to fight him and you got your ass kicked and, you, and you're asking him for more. Like, come on. Um, okay, here's the issue. Are we surprised this happened? No. As a matter of fact, I am surprised this hasn't happened more often with Colby Covington specifically. Let's just go over Colby's... Uh, Backstory here, his uh, his recent uh, history. 
Uh, in 2017, I believe it was, he called Brazilians filthy animals. At an event in Brazil, uh, he made comments about Kamara Usman's family and called his manager Ali Abdulaziz a terrorist. He also called Tyron Woodley a terrorist. Um, and as a result, that has led to some incidents. In Brazil, there was an incident where UFC heavyweight, who's also a Brazilian, Fabricio Werdum, he, I guess, attacked Colby Covington with a boomerang. And then, uh, when Covington made comments about Usman's family and Abdul Aziz calling him a terrorist, Usman and Abdul Aziz confronted Colby Somewhere in Vegas, it looked like uh, Colby was in line to get into a buffet or a restaurant in Vegas. And those two got in his face. Um, in fact, there was, I believe, a pregnant woman who was kind of like in the middle of this in line because she had no idea that Colby Covington was a fighter. Meanwhile, here comes another UFC fighter who has beef with him. And she's literally like in between those two and is trying to get the hell out of the way. Um, so that happened. And then, uh, now this, this whole thing with Masvidal attacking Covington at a restaurant. Listen, uh, we know what happened with Conor McGregor, the incident where, um, he went after Habib Nurmagomedov on a bus threw a dolly and a chair at the bus and even broke a window on the bus, ended up getting arrested for that. But the fight did not stop there. Hubby, uh, Connor made a lot of comments about Habib's family, his country, his religion. And after Habib whooped Connor's ass in the octagon, Habib jumped over the cage and attacked Connor's cornerman. Uh, more specifically, one of them, Dylan Danis. Uh, I'll get into Habib in a moment because he did weigh in on this. He had a very interesting comment uh, that needs to be brought up. So, here's the thing. Colby, I guess he was on the verge of being cut by the UFC. Even though he had like a 15-1 and record, the UFC was close to cutting him. But then he made all these comments and basically made a lot of waves. And that that's attention right there. Like, in this sport, talking shit can really help you. Demetrius Johnson was an amazing UFC fighter. He broke the UFC record for most consecutive title defenses in UFC history. But the guy was never a draw. They put him on the Ultimate Fighter. They put him on free TV to defend his title. Still could not draw an audience. That's because the guy does not go around talking shit to people. He just shows up, shows off his skills as a mixed martial artist, and wins. That's all he did in the UFC. So, there's a reason why people like Conor McGregor, like... Colby Covington are huge draws because they talk a lot of shit. Talk a lot of shit. Remember when Brock Lesnar uh, at UFC 100 got on the microphone and was talking about wanting, a sp- and I don't remember what it was. He wanted a specific kind of beer. And the UFC was not happy about this because Lesnar brought up a uh, uh, a beer product that was, that was not, a sponsor of the UFCs. However, like at the end of the day, that that clip of him saying that, it, it, talking about him wanting to get on top of his own wife and all that stuff, like that got a lot of attention at the time. I remember that in 2009, the summer of 09. Like the UFC at the end of the day was like, well, 
Sure, he mentioned a beer product that's not a sponsor of ours, but we're still getting a lot of attention from this, so who cares? At the end of the day, this is just more attention for the future for Brock Lesnar and the company. So, whatever is happening right now with Covington and Masvidal, that is just more attention for... The, you. That, that uh, whole incident with McGregor and the bus, that, that only gave the fight more attention. When uh, Nate Diaz and uh, Conor McGregor were throwing water bottles at each other at a press conference, that just gave more attention to the fight. That's all it did. So whatever's going on here, that's great for business. Now, on a personal level, uh, look, what Masvidal did was dumb. Okay, showing up in a hoodie and a mask and all this stuff. Um, a lot of people are, have been using the term bitch move. Yeah, I do agree. It is a bitch move. Uh, you know what's also a bitch move is talking about someone's family, getting socked in the face for it, and pressing charges, which is what Colby's done. Uh, listen, uh, legally, yeah, Masvidal's in trouble. He's in big trouble. Uh, but let's not act like Colby Covington is a victim. Not one bit. You talk about someone's family, and you think you're not going to have to pay the price for this, in a situation like this, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, this is embarrassing. Like you're crying about a watch right now, wanting uh, Masvidal to pay for it. Come on. Um. At the end of the day, I don't know what's going to happen, and more specifically to Colby Covington because he has been making a lot of unforgivable comments to a lot of people. In fact, even to, um, he even was making jokes about Matt Hughes's accident. Um, Glenn Robinson's death. Like, dude, you're saying a lot. Listen, I'm all for trash talking. And Conor McGregor used to be amazing at this when he was talking about things not, and not crossing the line. Now McGregor's out of content and he has to cross the line and bring up, you know, his opponent's wife and all these other things, which is just stupid. Um, Colby's been making a lot of comments that, you know, a lot of people who support him may laugh and all that stuff. But if those same comments were made about you or a loved one, I don't think anyone would take kindly. I mean, making fun of the the death of someone or maybe a loved one who got into a car accident or a train accident or whatever it was with Matt Hughes and bringing up someone's kids. Like, let's let's use some logic here. And I'm going to say that nobody is going to appreciate any of that. In fact, people would be very angry. So I understand Masvidal's anger and frustration here. I, I Listen, I, I don't have kids, but I've got a family. I, I wouldn't like it if anyone was talking about my family in this manner. Um, I don't agree with what he did. I want to make sure I'm clear on that. What he did was wrong. And legally, he's going to suffer for this in a big manner. Like, legally, Colby is going to win this battle. And he is going to do anything again. He's already pressed charges. He's going to do everything he can to make this hurt for Masvidal. He's hurt him inside the cage, and he's going to hurt him outside the cage legally. But at some point, here's the thing you got to keep in mind. And I heard uh, Jimmy Smith on SiriusXM talk about this. What if uh, what Masvidal did to Colby, what if Colby or one of Colby's friends had a gun for self-defense? People do carry for self-defense. We know this. This is not a, a shocker. You may not know. You know, Maybe you're behind someone in line at a grocery store. You don't know if they have a, a a weapon on them or not for self-defense. Um, but if Matt, one of Colby's friends did, I don't want, I don't even want to think about what could have happened to Masvidal. We could be talking about worst case scenario where we could be talking about death used in self-defense to be clear. 
Now, on the other hand, for Colby, it's like, dude, you keep talking. I mean, he wants to fight Dustin Poirier. He's already talking about Dustin Poirier's wife. Dude, cut the crap, man. Like, you can talk shit and sell a fight without talking about people's family. I mean, you can do it. All right? He, he even was caught on audio telling Usman at the end of the second fight, hey, it was all to sell a fight. And they hugged it out. They hugged it out. Even though they don't like each other, they, they, you still heard all that exchange. So, listen, man. Like I said earlier, I'm surprised this has not happened sooner. It almost happened with Usman and Abdulaziz. I mean, it was two on one right there. Colby did not have anyone backing him up. Other than bystanders who were trying to get into the middle of this. If you're Colby Covington, I think you got to have just a... And I don't think he's going to stop. In fact, I, I, I'm certain he won't. But tone it down, man. You can talk shit without bringing up family. Okay? You can do that. A lot of fighters have been doing it. Now, maybe they're not main eventers like you, but they're still finding ways to do it. It, it, listen, Dana White has even said, hey, people say mean things. We're not going to tell anyone what to say and what not to say. However, Dana White, who, by the way, was once asked if he uh, if he takes ownership of reinventing the First Amendment, which I thought was interesting. Even Mr. Reinventor of the First Amendment has said on multiple occasions he does not condone anyone bringing up family. He said this with Conor McGregor, and he also mentioned this with Colby Covington. And he even mentioned in a press conference, he said word for word, Colby's an asshole, like after the uh, Masvidal fight. Um, Listen, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't want this to get any worse for anybody. Because Colby is a great fighter. I I, want to keep seeing more of Colby in the octagon. I want to see more of Masvidal in the octagon. But if they're getting into trouble legally... Um, something bad could happen, and maybe we don't see them often in the cage. Unless you're Conor McGregor, who just got arrested and is probably still going to get a title shot from this. Even though he's lost two in a row, he's still getting a title shot, as we all know. Because that's the way it works when you're Conor McGregor. Um, but with Colby, man, I mean, gosh. Like, if I could say one thing, it's like, dude, chill out, man. Well, listen, Colby has been caught on camera talking to kids uh, you know, signing autographs and pictures with uh, military personnel, police officers, first responders, because that's a, uh, an important thing to him. And he's just like a really chill dude. Meanwhile, when he's in front of UFC cameras at a press conference or in the cage after a fight and he's on he's on the mic, he's got a lot to say. It's like, dude, you're not. I mean, this is not who you are. We know it's a shtick. We've seen you really calm and collected and, and a laid back dude. So cut the crap, man. Cut the whole talking about people's family. Cause he would not like it. If someone did that to him, I mean, let's be real, right? No one would. I hope this all comes to an end, man. And I really hope it's a learning lesson for everyone involved. Yeah, sure. A lot of UFC fighters say, Hey, we're going to fight anywhere, anytime, but they really don't mean that they, I mean, they're just trying to hype up the fight because they don't want to get in trouble legally. Also, uh, we've seen a couple scuffles like in the host hotels and all this stuff, but nothing too serious to the point where like someone lost a tooth or suffered a damaged watch of all things. Um, yeah, real quickly on Habib, because uh, he 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 wants the welterweight division to boycott Colby. What he is suggesting is because personal things keep being brought up, welterweight should decline to fight him. 
Um, I know he went through this with Connor because before the fight, Connor said some things, and after the fight, Connor said a lot of things, and the UFC stepped in. The Dana White, who has many, who has said we don't tell people what to say, did step in on the on that one when Connor was talking about his wife and what when she had the towel uh, over her her covering her face, covering her head, uh, because of for religious re- reasons at a wedding. So these things. I mean, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I get where Habib's coming from. I don't know if I really agree with this wholeheartedly. Because listen, as a fan, part of the sport, like if you don't like Colby, you're you're gonna order the next pay per view Colby is a part of because you want to see him get knocked out for all the things that he's been saying. But if you love him, well, then you're gonna order it also because you support him, you love him, and you want to see him keep keep up the trash talk. So, so I don't know how far this is going to get. I, I mentioned the potential worst case scenarios that could have happened in, in these situations. And this is probably not going to be the last time Covington is going to be confronted by somebody in public. It's already happened three times with Fabrizio Berdoum, with Abdulaziz and Usman, and now with Masvidal. It's not good. It's not a good look for the UFC. UFC is not going to do anything about it, though. I mean, from a legal standpoint, it's a, it's a bad look on the UFC, even though they are not going to get in trouble directly, but it's great for their business, right? I mean, come on. Like, you look at this and you think, yeah, we got to book a rematch. Even though Covington won convincingly, we know it's going to sell a lot of pay-per-views again. I don't know, man. Yeah, sure, it's great for business, but is this really all that, is that what it's all about? Just that? I'll let you guys decide. I've said my piece on that. Uh, real quickly, before I sign off here, KU making it to the final four. Bill Self was, I believe, three and seven uh, going into uh, Elite Eight, or excuse me, in Elite Eight games. And now he's four and seven. Uh, I've been very critical of Bill Self because of how many early exits he has suffered with the Jayhawks over the years. I'll give credit where credit's due at the same time. I, I said this in 2018. I'll say it again now. Props to him making it to the Final Four in a year where we've seen a lot of number one seeds get knocked out early. KU is still alive and well. Uh, in fact, if you had to guess which number one seed would have choked early, maybe there was some thought that KU could have been that team because right before they won the Big 12 regular season and the uh, Big 12 tournament, KU was very inconsistent. Uh, they they did not look like a basketball team playing as one cohesive unit. But they figured it out, and they're here in the Final Four. Now, the team that stands ahead of them is Villanova. And if we know anything, Jay Wright has had Bill Self's number in recent memory, uh, specifically 2016 in the Elite Eight and in the uh, 2018 Final Four. So hopefully Bill Self can find a way to reverse that and avenge that loss, uh, the two losses, to Villanova. We'll see how that goes. All right. I am out of here. I appreciate all of you guys who were patient. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed the last couple of weeks without a uh, Farce Cast podcast. Uh, enjoyed doing this one with you guys. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Please share the links. Spread the word. Let your friends know about this. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. That's my Facebook, at Farzine21 on Twitter. Also, follow me on all of my uh, social media, my YouTube. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we're everywhere. Apple, Podbean. Google, Apple, uh, I mentioned Apple, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, you, you get the idea. We're everywhere, uh, any place you can find a podcast. So with that said, I am out of here. Enjoy your week. Talk to you guys later. Peace out.